There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This week saw a powerful portrayal of a young man in the throes of an emotional breakdown. This story has highlighted the hidden plague that is mental health issues amongst men. If you need a shoulder to lean on or someone to talk to we recommend the following services. If you're in Britain you can call the Samaritans. Call on 116123 or you can try Young Minds. You can text YM 85258. If you're in the USA, call Mental Health America on 1-800-273-8255 or to contact the Jed Foundation. Text home to 741741. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Marie Bray and is sponsored by Kay Hopper. 
This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm Royville Brown, he's a rather disappointed Englishman. And today I'm joined by the most correct of all football pundits, who is... Jacqueline Berthaud in Saint-Gouen, Brittany, France. On this episode we'll hear from Witherspoon, Claire Asprey, Barry Bray and David Mullis. Hiya, Mr. Brown. How are you doing? Mm, I'm fine. Right, let's just move Jolly on, good. shall we? No, I think we get it over and done with. Let's get it over and done with. It's done. Did you have a nice evening? Uh, what, for my birthday? Yes, it was all wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Let's, so, plus, <laughs> we have a tweet of the week from our Purple Pumpkin. And we have the social media roundup from Stephen. And don't forget, folks, we have content on YouTube. Type in Dumpty Dum. And you can find two years' worth of interviews with the great and the good the actors who play the characters that we love on The Archers over there. Now, we have news on our event. Now, folks, we have news on our event. Now, pencil, pencil off or put up to one side or whatever the heck the expression is. I can't think right now. I'm still in somewhat of a football depression. Saturday, the 22nd of April, 2023, in Birmingham, we are going to be having an event. Now, that is a pivotal day. We're going to be doing something with the academic archers. And they've actually got our Sonny Ormond to come to their event, which will also be happening on that day. We are going to be doing a couple of live recordings of the podcast. And I believe we're also going to be doing something on the 23rd, Sunday the 23rd. If you would like hotel accommodation, we're going to sort all of that out right here and now. We're still putting things together, but we've spoken to Birmingham Town Hall. It looks like it's actually going to be in the Symphony Hall, in one of the rooms around around there that we're actually going to do the event. So the dates are Saturday the 22nd and Sunday the 23rd of April 2023. Those are the two days. It's going to be the Academic Archers mashup with the Dumpty Dum crew in Birmingham, England. There you go. So don't get it all miscombobulated and turn up to Birmingham, Alabama, because you've been the wrong Birmingham more details to come but make a note of that in your diaries so that's news of our event we need dumpty dums good people that is what marie bray and our stephen et al always seem to do at the start of the show we need to spread the joy around so if you would like to hum and uh, maybe get out your banjo or even your bass guitar and play along to barwick green send that to us that would be most excellent you can do that by either going on to speakpipe and or you can do that via WhatsApp, which is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Or if that fails you, you can even email it through to royfield at gmail.com. We need dumpty dumps. We need a good pile of them for the new year. Just like stacking up wood logs, we need to pile up our dumpty dumps. Don't forget, at the end of the show, we'll be welcoming new members to our Facebook group and we'll have the results of our proposal survey. Mm-hmm. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Sui Queen Ortart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sui here, Queen Ortart on the Twitters, and another week in Ambridge. It's been quite a week in Ambridge, where Fallon proves she is at least clueless, if not actively thoughtless, telling Ed and Emma about nights out with Harrison and their plans, which all involve spending money. Fallon's nose was put right out of joint, having the same taste in coats as Emma but she has somewhat deeper pockets. Emma is planning a life of crime, 
log rustling with Ed from the wood tidying at the rewilding project. I think it was someone on Academic Archers who pointed out that the wood will need seasoning before it can be used and they won't be able to immediately cash in. Jill proved that everything can be sold with a chocolate cake. Well, except for being exchanged from half your family, where a cake is simply not going to cut it this time. Just a word to the wise, Jill. You took years to get over Lizzie's abortion, but you don't have the luxury of time anymore. Please sort it all out together. And talking of Ben, he's having trouble working out what's real. He told Leonard that he thought about killing himself because of Vince's outburst in the pub. He seems to be getting some actual help. I am very glad that Borchester NHS seems to have available resources, unlike much of the rest of the country. The news gets to Pip, who I didn't hate as much as normal this week. She encouraged Ben to talk to David and Ruth, who finally sat down for a conversation with Ben, and we can hope things move forwards from here. Tracy and Jazza had a barney over general domestic things. These two could bicker as an Olympic sport. The Ambridge plot fairy had them kiss and make up and decide not to argue anymore. Well, how long do we see that lasting? Tracy is going to ask Jazza to marry her on New Year's Eve. Chelsea's very keen, very keen, and already planning the wedding dress, whereas Brad, fresh back from his maths course in Manchester, where he stayed in a swanky hotel, then stripped anything not nailed down in the room, is somewhat less keen after performing a full SWOT analysis of the situation. He is only prepared to attend the extremely theoretical wedding if he pretends it's not an actual wedding and doesn't have to do anything. Joy, fresh from her awesome role in last week's rescue, is having a crisis over Kirsty and Mick's easy friendship. She has clearly had a past. She doesn't have anything to worry about, according to Fallon, and she needs to work out what she's feeling for Mick. They have a heart-to-heart, and Mick says she's not an old frump, and he's happy to take his cues from her. Oh, if he turns out to be a shit script writers, take this as fair warning. I am coming for you. <laughs> Until next week. Till then, have a good one, my lovelies. Oh, thank you for that, Suey. Hmm, how was your last week in Ambridge, Madame Berto? It was a funny old week, I have to say, for me, because it was a bit bitty in places, and there were things I didn't quite get. I don't really get the choir thing. Mm. I don't know how it's going to end up. Although it did, I did like the thing with Joy feeling all un, um, unloved and unsure and Mick confirming what a lovely guy he is. But, well, as Sui says, I just keep fingers crossed that he's, he keeps to be a lovely guy. <laughs> he's fond of her and she's got history. So but in the end, we learn her history. That's good. She doesn't irritate me. Pip wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. Just to say, because I know you always say me I'm harsh. Well, you are. She wasn't as bad as she has been. Brutal. You're as brutal as a guillotine you are normally. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) It's in the genes. I'm I'm somewhat looking forward to the wedding proposal. And for me, it's obvious that we've got to the worst of how Ben is going to get. Do you think? Yeah. If you you do a graph of the descent of Ben's mental anxiety, he's now got treatment. David and Ruth talking quite honestly and candidly about how they missed the signs. I thought thought was really quite touching. The symbol that we have got to the very bottom of his descent is the fact that they know he contemplated suicide. It can't get any worse than this. And he does sound like he's slowly putting himself back together. He is getting treatment, which is wonderful. But for me, all sounds a little bit too soon. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. I think it's going too quickly. Yeah. Everything about it's been very quick. But he is able to talk. And on one level, I'm delighted it's Leonard that he talked mm. to because I love Leonard. Such a nice man. Kristen McKiddy or Leonard? Who do you love more? Oh, gracious. You can't yeah. choose between your best boys. Wow. <laughs> oh, you've, you've broken my chain of thought. It was about Leonard and the, the chocolate cake. Mm. Now, that I was disappointed by. If that was Jill sending a, a, peace a little, offering. That's, what I'm, that's the expression I'm searching for. Mm. I could only think of what it was in French. A peace offering. She did it was wrong. Mm. She should have done it herself. She doesn't quite have the the language does she she doesn't know how to frame things she's put her foot in it right royally she's no. trying to just gently dip her toe in into the water just to see how it's going to be received yeah and she's naturally a feeder <laughs> there you she go feeds yes, people. yes yes so i understand what she did it's a case of here's a little peace offering you know just a little one mm. see see how we go yes maybe her marching round there march is the wrong word Round Wobbling. there, Mia Culpa, <laughs> how are you, grandson? There, 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 clasping him to her bosom. Should have been, you know, her saying, yeah. you know, I'm so sorry. You know, how are you? Should really be what she did. But anyway, but, it, you know, everything seems to go through Leonard these days, doesn't it? It does. I think that's a sign of the fact that the Jill, maybe the actress who plays Jill, is creeping slowly away from the archers, mm. seeping away. I, I from think the so, archers. considering how integral she is to this storyline. We're not yeah. hearing that much of her, are we? But instead, we have we have Leonard, who is Kofi Annan. He's yeah, chuckle he diplomacy. Indeed. That's what he's doing. Yeah. You know. So I have to give complete high points from me to Tim Bendick because I felt his guilt, his sadness, his fear for his son. It's given him a wobble. It made him sharp with Leonard, which David not normally has, doesn't normally have the guts to be sharp with anyone. Kudos to him. I thought the acting was brilliant this week. Couldn't agree with you more. The scenes between David and Ruth were really poignant, really touching. Any parent could understand what they were going through, the worry that their son was contemplating the, the darkest of dark outcomes to, to a situation. You know, all you want to do is, is wish the best for your children and, and to wrap them up. And they portrayed that beautifully. But instead of us talking about the last week in Ambridge, we should listen to our wonderful caller in Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's the woman who vies for your slot as my podcasting wife. It's our Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here in a very frosty, frosty Clapham. Yes, just a thought on this week. Never ask a teenager whether you're boring. <laughs> and especially don't ask a completely awful teenager if you're boring. What were they expecting? So, yeah, and this whole Emma doing suddenly something really weird and illegal as a result of George thinking she's boring uh, really marked me, marked down in my estimations. I thought she had way more sense than that. We've been kind of waiting for Emma to come back in to the archers so she can be the one to talk sense and, like, be, I don't know, pull all the Grundies into shape a bit and certainly give George a slap around the chops or some sensible parenting equivalent. I do not advocate slapping your children around the chops just for, for the sake of it. Um, 
But yeah, she just seems to have lost the plot. And she's gone back, actually, into that kind of resentful, jealous, like hard done by Emma, which, you know, I think can be a real power for good, to be honest. But this whole thing with the coat and Fallon, what's all that about? Like, I don't understand. I saw a post on Facebook about how surely Fallon and Harrison are potentially having a harder time of it financially than Ed and Emma. I mean, you know, just because they're Grundies, they have to be having a hard time. But yeah, it's all a bit weird. I was sorry to see Emma come back and then just behave like this. I expect better of Emma, if I'm perfectly honest. And certainly never ask George for an opinion. That's just a stupid place to start. So yeah, anyway, I hope they sort their lives out a bit and uh, uh, put their sensible shoes back on. Anyway, keep up the good work and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Right then, why don't you go first, madam? Yeah, I agree with Claire. That was my first thought. Why would you ask George whether you were boring? (laughs) George is not the person. Plus he's a teenager on top of his general personality problem. But I don't think it came from the George thing, the whole ridiculous wood, stealing wood, etc. story. It came from feeling like they were second-class citizens and different to their mates who came over for dinner and told them about the wonderful high life they were having post-COVID. I don't know whether this is so much an obvious setup, but they're going to do something which is illegal. And what's prompted it is them having a dinner party with a policeman. With a copper, yeah. You know, (laughs) is it just me? Am I saying that's going to be the point of tension, conflict in this storyline? Yeah. That it's going to be PC harassment burns. You know, who is that like that, you know? And you hear a crackle of twigs and whatever. And then then you go, Ed. And, of course, he's going to have to shop in his pals. And he's going to have this ethical dilemma. But if you think you are boring, A spot of thievery probably isn't what you need to go in for. Normally, what an upper working class, lower middle class couple would do is maybe let's have a little, let's go and have tango lessons together or something or another. Yeah, it's like, come on now. Don't get me wrong. They're harder and they're Horobins forward slash Grundies. So a little bit of cutting corners when it comes to legality is fundamentally in their DNA, right? But not Emma. She's straight as a die. She's on the parish council, for goodness sake. No, that's not her thing at all. Well, it shouldn't shouldn't be her thing. Let's put it that way. No, it shouldn't be. As as I've said on, on numerous occasions, I'm not one from the countryside. Me personally, and I know nothing about this, but if you see a couple of logs on the ground and you got a coal fire, wouldn't you, a wood fire, sorry, wouldn't you pick them up? I would have thought as right. out and out villainry goes, this is low down on the ranks, pretty low down. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but they're talking about freshly cut wood that they're going to make insects hotels out of. Now, as you can, you know, and you can see, I'm often sitting by a log open fire mm-hmm. when I'm recording mm-hmm. Dumpty Dum because we don't, we try not to put too much heating on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the log fire definitely works. But 
You'd never, I wouldn't pick, a, pick up a log today and put it on my fire tonight. You wouldn't be able to hear me if it's crackling and spitting. You put, you pick up your logs that you find on in the mm-hmm. woods if no one's looking, I suppose. And you put them in a shed or an outhouse or so under a sheet, plastic sheet somewhere for about at least a year, if not two, to dry out and season. Otherwise, there's too much sap in them and they don't burn. Mm. So. Sounds to me like you've done a little spot of this before in the past. You, you very clearly said you pick them up from from the forest and then take them home. It's obviously not illegal in, in France, in Brittany, I take it, to take other people. No, it, is, it, it isn't. It isn't illegal at oh. all. And in fact, I'll tell you what, the county council, we have an old railway line that runs through our village. Mm. And it's been made into a vavette where people ride their bikes. And it, it runs for miles and miles and miles. It goes for about 120 kilometres. But it passes through our village and the county council maintain it. And when the county council cut back a lot, there are a lot of villagers here with their quads and trailers picking up stuff. This was last winter. Picking up stuff, clearing up, tidying up after them. So I don't think it is illegal here in France. I have never done it. You do realise that you're talking to the lady of the manor, Royfield Brown. <laughs> if I was seen walking around with with a, a log or two under my arm, people would definitely be saying, she's nicking from the poor. Well, Monsieur Lefren, he's a regular thiever of things in our village. Who? Who do you want? Mr. Who? Monsieur Lefren. He's a an old guy, an old retired farmer. Mm-hmm. He walks a lot. He picks up stuff. And you see piles of of broken branches and things along the Voie Verte, along the mm-hmm. uh, old railway track. And then you will see him in the afternoons walking along with his trailer and he puts things in his trailer. So he's your Joe there. Grundy? Yeah, definitely I'll go with Joe Grundy. Yeah, even worse, he goes around the cemetery and, yes, exactly, and he empties flower pots that have got dead flowers and things on, tidies things up for people on the cemetery. And you see him walking across the fields. There's actually an old track across the fields, mm-hmm. despite it being ploughed, etc., to his house. And he gets all his tomato plant plots and everything from the cemetery. I can't tell Joe Grundy. He doesn't, I don't think he makes cider anymore, but he used to. Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu, yeah, exactly. Come on, Harrison. In fact, he's called, he's, he's called Joel Le Cornet, Shane. Wait a minute. What are the local <laughs> gendarmes doing round there? <laughs> well, the gendarmes won't be bothered, but we do have a police municipal. He's a bobby on a, on a beat on a scooter. You know what? Sanguin sounds as almost as action-packed as Ambridge. We've even got spiritual homes in Sanguin. And if anybody wants to look it up, it's called Le, Je- Le, Le, Jardin, Le Zen Jardin de Castilic. And you can find it, and she's built these amazing fairy castles. I'll see if I can put oh, something on so uh, Dumpty Dumps. Who's the local uh, Brian Aldridge? Local Brian Aldridge. Well, this is not really... Nope. Now, we've got a chateau up the hill, but that's in the next village. Monsieur, it's Le, Monsieur Le, Le, Roberto. The, Are you Jenny, yeah, then? maybe. Are you Jenny? Well, I've got an argo. She hasn't anymore. I've got an argo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure I am Jenny, really. Yeah. Right. I'm not as silent as her, though. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're Sorry, not Claire. Jenny, we've gone you? completely you're, off you're, the point. You get two in people's no, faces. You know. You know, exactly. You did that coup d'etat in, in, the, in the mayor's office last week. I did. And what's more, mm-hmm. they've given me access to the Commune de Gerlidan's Facebook. I'm now administrator of their Facebook you page are, because Jenny. I keep complaining Remember about... Remember she used to talk about the I, website. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. So I'm becoming... I, I'm not Jenny, but I'm becoming more and more like her. I don't have a walk. I don't own a walk. 
Not yet, you don't. You might get one for Christmas from all the listeners of Dumpty Dum who have christened you their San Juan Jenny. And on that <laughs> note, we should have a touch of the Lower East West side with our Witherspoon, who is our resident sports therapist. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, we send our condolences to all the English fans out there. It was a tough loss. On to Ben once again. I thought the scriptwriters handled the topic of his suicidal ideation well. It's the most challenging scenario that clinicians face, complete with many ethical issues. If Ben were a minor, then the crisis clinician would have shared this information with his parents, but Ben is an adult, and he would have needed to give permission to do so. I wonder if the crisis clinician in A&E did ask Ben if they could bring David into the meeting so that Ben could share his thoughts with his father. It would have been very helpful in creating a crisis treatment plan at home. In fact, I may have made it a condition on allowing Ben to return home. If Ben had refused, then I would have said to him that he needed to be admitted. I know there's a terribly long wait for inpatient beds. In the United States, patients are waiting for days in emergency rooms for psych beds. I think we're a little more prone to practice defensive medicine because of the worry of malpractice suits. But I'm glad Ben is doing better and he's opened up to his family. He put Leonard in a difficult situation, but Leonard did the right thing in sharing the information with Pip, who also handled things well. Remember, non-healthcare people do not operate under the same ethical considerations as clinicians do. The immediate family is being very compassionate toward Ben. I just wish David would stop describing the pregnancy as Ben's big mistake. Ben and Chelsea had impulsive, unprotected sex. It was an error in judgment and could easily have not ended in a pregnancy. And where is Jill? Surely Leonard has told her what's going on, and she would have been there to make peace with and comfort her grandson. It goes back to something being very wrong with Jill. Talk to you soon. Thank you for that, Mr. Spoon. What do you reckon to to his rundown of things? The uh, the little note there about Leonard and the fact that Leonard isn't in the same kind of ethical dilemma as a health professional was a wise one to point out. And I think, yes, he did the right thing. Somebody saying to me that they, they contemplated suicide, especially if there's been some level of an emotional breakdown, you've got to take that incredibly seriously. And you do need to tell their nearest and dearest, you know, literally regardless yeah. of who, who that person is, you know. But what else to what Mr. Spoon said? He suggested that Pip handled the whole situation well. Mm-hmm. And I I agree. She did. Although I was slightly cheesed off when she said, don't worry, you'll be back to your own self soon. I think there's a lack of understanding of how serious the situation but, was. But isn't that just something, dare I say, that we say? Yeah, I guess so, look, Royfield. I think it's a thing that we say to encourage mm. somebody who's in a crisis, but I felt heartless from Pip. <laughs> you know, not it's me. I'm be being horrible. Joy, can they? Not everyone can be joy. No, they can't. Not everybody can be joy. It's not. And the world isn't full of joy, is it, Royfield? Because she he did actually send condolences to the English. So I think we ought to mention that as well. Moving to. Have you moving frozen? swiftly on? <laughs> moving swiftly. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, I know. This isn't a podcast. We're not allowed to wang on about it, according to one of our dear friends. <laughs> but my daughter, who plays football for Romance FC mm. in the East End of London, mm. said, ah, the, it's such a beautiful game. That's the beauty of it. You can play the best you can, be the best team on the pitch and still lose because of a ball going into the back of the net. And that's how I felt about that match yesterday. Absolutely. Just if we have to talk about football, and I, for one, don't like the incursion, <laughs> the, the incursion, sorry, of anything non-archers related Other than dum dum yes. You know, I'm very, oh, I'm very... You're very strict, very strict about these very things, strict I about know. building that wall between this podcast and the outside world. Everybody knows that. But if we are forced by <laughs> circumstance to mention that thing that happened yesterday, England can hold their heads up high. In terms of feats in World Cups and Euros, you've got to look at the performance and not the result. And nobody Mm. need feel ashamed of themselves. We can't say England didn't turn up. We can't say they didn't have the desire. They went toe-to-toe with the world champions and actually shaded that in terms of performance. But it's the beauty of football or the tragedy of football, but actually it's the beauty, as Mm. your daughter said. And as somebody clinically explained this to me once, it's the shots to success ratio, which is so low in football. So hence, you can have the better team sometimes losing on the day. Whereas in something like basketball, the shots to success ratio is high. So the best team always wins. Not in football. And that's the reason why we love it. Moving swiftly on, say no more about, Indeed. Yeah, about football because I'm bored of it. I'm not watching any more of the World Cup <laughs> to the World Cup. Bag of nonsense. Now we go to Marie Ray. Hi, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all lovely dumpty dummers. It's Marie calling from Winchester. And I've been great listening. I just listened to your last week's podcast. Okay, so I've got four things I wanted to talk about. First of all, Tracy wanting to propose to Jazza. I think Jazza's going to scheme his own thing. And Obviously, he doesn't want to worry Tracy with money, etc. I think he's going to do a fait accompli on New Year's Eve and get her to dress up and will actually do everything so that they get married on New Year's Eve. Who knows? Could be fun. Also, David, yes, he has to cook Christmas dinner. He's decided this. Why? Because otherwise, come Christmas lunchtime, Ruth will come out and say... I've got some turkey lasagna for you and you can wash it down with some nice cow brush lager or something to that effect. Very (laughs) impressed with the whole acting on the mental health issue with Ben. Joy was amazing. I think she has some obvious experience, which could be to do with her daughter, Rochelle, yet to come out. You know, she might have even taken her own life. Who knows? But yeah, her emotional maturity there was unbelievable, really incredible. And lastly, I have to disagree with you, Royfield. You put the jam on and then the cream because the cream has a subtle flavour and cream is all about texture. Texture you need on the roof of the mouth, not on the other, not in the middle. So that's why we have the cream on the top. I got the word wrong, just like I got the name wrong the other week. Caroline, I don't know where that came from. Yes, joy. I meant to say emotional intelligence, not emotional maturity. Obviously, she has maturity. Anyway, 
just correcting myself. Bye for now. Thank you for that, Marie. Well, there you go. I got told about the reasons why you got to put the cream on the top of a scone because it goes to the roof of the mouth and it's, you know, it has a subtle texture. It's a texture thing. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people agree with Marie. Um, well, they're wrong. Marie they're Bray, wrong. They're wrong. It's gobbledygook. Well, oh, gobbledygook obviously they're wrong, right? Because they don't, you even put that bar in. You even put that bar in. And just like, <laughs> and, you know, and, and as for that poll on Dum De Dum, far be it from me to have a go at about 70% of our listeners, but I'm having a go at 70% of our listeners. <laughs> You're all wrong. You need to take a long, hard look at yourselves. And, and when you figure out how to put the cream and the jam in the correct order, you'll have a taste sensation when you chow down on a scone. Go do it, then come back, report back to me. Have a new, have a new poll. 100% will be behind me. 100%. Did you notice Fallon mentioned scones and jam this week on a picnic? Yeah, I thought, I thought of you when I saw that, when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Not often that I think of you in the week, but that oh, scone, oh, scone you. story thank with you, the ones. <laughs> I thought of you twice this week. Once because it was your birthday, and once because mm. oh no, more times. Let's because I not thought about talk you about the thing my birthday I'm because <laughs> when you've had as many as me, what's the point of having another one? Indeed, and it's not a celebration; indeed. it's a commiseration. As I said to my mother today, when you have the amount that I've oh. had, it's just oh, please. Well, just think how your mother must feel. Well, she's feeling pretty good right now because she's in Los Angeles with Uncle Ken, Ooh. who's getting a little bit, little bit better. But I do get your point, oh, madam. Good. I do get your point. We haven't talked about Marie's call and Tracy's proposal okay. to you, Jazza. Why don't you lead us into that line of conversation? I actually feel like she's been egged on Tracy mm-hmm. by Chelsea more than really wanting to go for it herself. What do you think? You know me, I'm fluffy clouds rainbows and unicorns i just want everything to be nice and everyone to get on and they're so obviously a good couple that the fact that they seem to be you know stringing this out with the not will she won't she but how is she going to do it i'm just like oh come on you know he's going to say yes right i cannot see how jazza could actually say no this man has wanted a family for for so long and he's so and they're obviously yeah. a, a great unit there's another pointer as to how well chelsea has, has kind of bounced back that you know she's yeah. now willing her mum to be happy and you know go for it mum type of thing and then we have the contrast with ben falling to pieces or falling to brad. pieces but also yeah, brad well, yeah but here's the thing brad's so totally smart and he couldn't articulate why his gut feeling was i don't think this is a good idea right he he couldn't articulate it so then had to go upstairs come back with an excel spreadsheet and it's like he has no real objection but i suppose when you look at it as far as his concerned things are kind of all right as they are you know yeah so why yeah so why exactly why change it jazz has come in it's all right why change it but He'll come round in a nanosecond. Yeah. I liked Marie's suggestion that actually Jazza's going to take it all out of Tracy's hands and organise something behind her back in the lobby. Fait accompli. Nice suggestion. Well, that would be quite nice if he says, I've got something to tell you. She says, I've got something to tell you. And they both give each other a ring at at the same time. Many moons ago, I think it was my first Christmas after I got married. So the other half was really into Strictly, funnily enough. 
and you'll have to tell us what, what's <laughs> happened. And, you know, the Argentinian tango is just so spectacular. It's just it's a oh, showstopper. Fantastic. It's a showstopper. So I went off and got Argentinian tango lessons for us for oh. Christmas. I handed her the envelope. Wow. She handed me an envelope. It was for Argentinian tango lessons with exactly the same teacher. I had to ring up five days later. That teacher never stopped laughing for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) How fantastic. Great minds think alike. So maybe, maybe, maybe we're in for something similar. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a happy ending. And, and, you know, as it all started with the conversation about them bickering, they're so alike. You know, bickering's part of their... They kiss and make is it up, part though, of their love language, is it? I think it is. It's them, part mm-hmm, of them. Mm-hmm. So you and Monsieur Berto, are you complimentary? Do you complete each other's whole or, you know, how, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. perfect. Sounds like yeah, a marriage made in heaven. How do I say heaven? Sanguine. Disso. Right, now. <laughs> the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. And you can also find a link in our show notes. We need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now we need your help. This is the People's Podcast. After all, that phrase was coined by R. Stephen. Bowden. So there are a few things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast you're listening to us on. And in the review section, give us a five star review. It will be hugely appreciated. Now, it has to be said, five star reviews are most awesome, but some five star reviews are worth more than others, i.e. the ones done on Apple Podcasts. So if you can go to Apple Podcasts, write us a five star review will be a huge it'll be hugely appreciated by us there's a link in the show notes as to how that can be done now finally the third thing you can do is to consider becoming a patreon patreon is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels of different rewards so if you just go to patreon.com search for dumpty dum we'll be chuffed to bits to have your support so you can go and be a supporter of all things dumpty dum just like Kay hopper who is sponsoring the show this week also if you'd like to just give us a one-off donation because it's christmas and madame berto is low on logs that she's nicked from the forest in san Gwen, <laughs> right so maybe she can go out and buy some proper ones you can hit the donate button on dumdydum.com now before we go back to our calls don't forget you can send us an electronic missive if you don't fancy hearing your voice by going on to whatsapp and the number for that is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. That's plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six, which is an awesome way of getting your thoughts and feelings onto the show. Now back to our Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calls. And we only have one more. Hi, Roy Field and Jacqueline. They're all dumpty dummers. This is David Mullis. Thank you for the Daves. Just calling in as I wanted to again talk about this wonderful storyline with, with Joy and how she was so brilliant with Ben. Obviously, my own personal circumstances, as you've heard recently with my parents, involved a lot of work with third parties who are able to be talking sympathetically to both of my parents in their circumstances. And then particularly in the case with my mum, we had an absolutely wonderful social worker who was really able to help mum understand that while my dad was recovering and convalescing in hospital, that she would need assisted care so we could help look after her due to her ongoing battle with dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, the whole plot and storyline with, with Ben, as I've alluded to, it really rings true in not knowing what to do and what has happened in this terrible manic episode that he seems to have experienced. But having such a wonderful outlet as somebody like Joy, who was really able to talk to him on a really sympathetic and human level, but then also helped David through the process has been absolutely wonderful to to listen to and really makes for absolutely wonderful viewing of the archers. On a separate note, just as an update, my mum's still in respite care at the moment whilst my dad recovers, but he should hopefully be home in the next few days and we'll get settled in and hopefully have the family back together in almost an artist-like Christmas plot line. Separately, Royfield, in the last podcast, you also wanted to know what people do for a living and what field of expertise they're in. Now, I work in hospitality and hotels in particular, so I'm more than happy to devote my time when I'm not working to what's going to be happening with Grey Gables and when it's the refurbishment's going to be complete. And also, if they are soon to be complete and ready to go, they should surely be looking at opening up the booking channels for reopening sales. A little bit of industry jargon there for you. Take care. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Dave. All right, do you want to? Yes, thank you. Uh, Dave. Jump in to the meat of his call. Yeah, first I want to say I'm glad to hear that uh, your dad's recovering. Absolutely. And hopefully, I uh, hope your mum's coped with the respite care. And wouldn't it be lovely to have you all united for Christmas? I think that's a nice rounded end to the story. I know the ongoing story with your mum's going to be difficult, but there we go. Hospitality as well. We need a lot of hospitality experts we do. here. Maybe you can get so we're sorted for Birmingham. Maybe you can help out with that, David. That's a stunning idea. Well done, <laughs> Madame Berto. Whew.
And I agree entirely with the Joy, Ben storyline. I mean, it's been brilliantly acted, it's been brilliantly written, and the praise for the social work. Now, I have to say, it's been an ongoing Twitter-arty thing about nobody in the world gets treatment as quickly as that and blah, blah, blah. This is an archers, it's not the real life. But I have to say, I do know someone who, in England, who had a manic period, manic episode, and was asked at the hospital about whether they had suicidal thoughts. And they had, when they went home from hospital, because there were no psych beds available, went home from hospital to their parents' house, and a nurse visited every day for at least a week and a half afterwards Mm. because of the threat to suicide. An adult, a young adult as well, you know, over the age of majority, just like Ben. And the care, it wasn't in... A rural place. It was in York, but you know. So. Yeah, we know that the NHS is taking somewhat of a battering in terms of the resources that it needs, and the nurses are going out on strike soon, which is somewhat un- unprecedented. Yeah. But in terms of, and how I think I've had said this on Dum Dum, but my uncle who died of Alzheimer's this year, the level of care that he had was exemplary to the point of maybe being a little bit too much you know my aunt said mm-hmm. he had two two nurses who came round twice a day three care workers that came round was it three times a day she said the place was literally like piccadilly circus yes it's not you know a, a manic episode in this regard but just lionizing the great work that our national health service does and yes they need more resources yeah. you know we we shouldn't forget what a great insurance it is for us all when we fall ill and i contrast that with the american healthcare system and i'm making a party political broadcast for the nhs party here so my uncle is currently and i think i mentioned him last week my uncle is is currently in los angeles and he's properly poorly sick gravely ill we we could well be just counting down the days he he has made somewhat of a, a rally since the family have flown in to see him, because I we all know he'd actually given up. But seeing his son, he seems to have perked up a little. Anyway, the point of this whole story is this. So he, he couldn't urinate, and as well as just being incredibly stick thin, the doctors know that he has a blockage, and he's been in hospital for two weeks. He has not been diagnosed as to what's caused the blockage. What they have done is to alleviate the blockage, put a catheter there, So his kidneys now have some level of function and they're not bleeding. Two weeks. And the hospital want him out of that bed. And they've been saying, where's his insurance? Where is his insurance? Now, my folks have come over from the UK. We do not understand the healthcare system, let alone what insurance he might have. It's actually transpired that he has the basic, which is Medicare, because he's 68, then plus another tier on top. But the thing is, after two weeks of being in hospital bed, he's not been diagnosed because that hospital will not do any scans because there's a cost associated. And the the cost of a scan is about $1,500. So before they do a scan, they need to know they're going to get paid. Now, I say this to everybody in Britain and everybody in a country which has universal health care, hold that service dearly as a right do not let any politician tell you that the american system 
where if you have enough money and you can pay is any path to go down it so isn't and this this terribly scary thing is about it is when we ask one person we get one answer as a way to proceed we ask a doctor we get another we ask somebody else we get a th- americans don't know how this system works other than okay. have as much health insurance as possible and you might be all right so if you happen to be on a, a modest wage or poor or just getting by right healthcare in america can be something which is negligible if you fall over you'll be scooped up and taken to a hospital all they'll do is put a plaster on you and send you out the door they will not treat and diagnose maybe the reason why you fell over is because you've got some kind of balance issue they're not interested unless you can pay it's utterly shocking i love the the nhs every country that has universal healthcare it's a fundamental right which keeps some level of a level playing field for all members of society we've got to hold on to it viva the nurses yeah. give them their pay we know that they're overworked and underpaid ditto the doctors anyway there's my party political broadcast for the nhs party done and dusted and and again i haven't let anything outside of the world of ambridge intrude onto the podcast i'm good like that indeed not you're you're so constrained we're strained constrained you're constrained by something and restrained by yourself so where do we go from here well, that's all our caller in us isn't it caller in us done now it's on to email in us yeah so we had three messages this week and the one the first one is from debbie and she says i'm going to say it in debbie's voice oh for goodness sake royfield I've actually paused listening to Dumpty Dum to stop and write this. With scones or scones, it's extremely straightforward knowing what to put on first. You put on whatever has the firmest consistency first. If it's clotted cream and floppy jam, you do the cream first, because clotted cream's thick, you know, wife. It, if it's fairly solid, solid jellyfied jam and floppy cream, you do the jam first. There's no way that it's possible to spread something with a firm texture on top of something with a floppy texture. And Bob is your uncle. Simples, hey? There you are, Roy. Got it now? Flexibility is the key. There comes a point when the barbarians are at the door and you need to maintain standards. And this and this is what this is all about. There's a reason <laughs> why we have something called etiquette. Rules. So that we etiquette, etiquette. exactly etiquette so that we convey by by our manners the correct way of doing something to others. You know, it's it's just this unwritten code. And I put it to every dum-de-dum. I put it to the 70 percent that are wrong on the poll that when the barbarians are at the door and they tell you they're going to burn your house down if you do not put the jam on first and the cream on top. You say, absolutely not. You say, absolutely not. I will die on this principle because it's the right thing to do. Let us move on to another message. This one's from Mike Jennings. Also, to add my thoughts on Ben, what an awful time he's he's experiencing. And it was honestly awful and utterly believable listening to his episode breakdown at the end of the omnibus. Fantastic writing and acting by everyone involved. I just hope this storyline causes more people to think about how they address male mental health issues in the future. Over the past month or so, I've 
I've seen lots of comments across Archer's Facebook groups that broadly fall into two categories. He's being so self-indulgent or he needs to snap out of it. And both of those comments, to me at least, act like he's choosing to behave this way and that he can just choose not to behave this way. When your brain is running away with you, that's just not the case. You're a passenger to the illness. When people respond to people in clear distress with comments about being self-indulgent or telling you just to snap out of it, it only contributes to feelings of isolation and hopelessness and is a significant reason why there are so many men and it's a significant reason why so many men feel ashamed about their mental health and do not seek help seek help bravo to you mike bravo utterly well yeah, said ditto. Bravo, utterly well said. i, I yeah. also think as well because this is a drama and we're viewing this from thirty thousand feet up so to speak there is on the one level a sense of attachment when storylines really resonate but also detachment and i'm sure if this was somebody in the lives of somebody who was making those comments they wouldn't actually mm. act or be so so judgmental because this would be somebody who, yeah. you, who you care about. But you make the point fantastically well. Yeah, it does. Very, very good point, Mike. Thank you for that. Now, our last message comes from Christine, also known as Gadget Girlie in Scotland. Good afternoon, Royfield and Jacqueline and all Dumpty Dummers. I hope this finds you well. I'm deliberately sending this before England play France this evening. That was very kind of her, wasn't it? I have been really moved by this week's storylines. However, I was very surprised on Monday that a nurse was visiting Ben so quickly. In Scotland, some people are waiting for months for health, mental health support. Then we heard why, his suicidal thoughts. Well, thank goodness that Leonard told Pip what Ben had shared with him and that Ben has now spoken to his parents. I was also very moved by the comparison between Ed and Emma's lifestyle and that of Fallon and Harrison. However, when Emma was talking about taking action, I thought she was going to campaign against fuel poverty, not necessarily divest the rewilding project of the homes for their bugs. Oh, and she's female, and her husband proposed to her. Well, funny you should say that, right? But we do have the results of my very unscientific poll. Now, you, Madame Berto, said that everybody else was, well, not everybody else. You said that I was old-fashioned. I needed to get up up to date. <laughs> it's 2022. Yeah. You've been married a few times, you said. Three times to be, be precise. And how many times had you done the asking, did you say? Oh, thousands. Okay. You've asked a thousand, you've asked a thousand men to marry you, <laughs> but only three actually said yes. That's a very poor success rate. <laughs> I know. I'm, use, I'm useless, aren't I? I'm absolutely useless. Do you know, I don't know, I don't know what happened with this poll. I didn't see this poll. No, because it was on WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Remember last week I said, send through on WhatsApp. If you've done the ah, asking yeah. and what your gender was, etc. Okay, now. We had... Right, so that's this is all in secret, so I didn't even get to vote. Well, if you listen something to the undiplomatic podcast, about the instructions that. are clear because we had 14 <laughs> yeah, people sorry, I didn't respond. Listen to 14 people. Oh, well done, 14. I thought the, skips, the script had changed in between me going out to watch Strictly and coming back in. It seemed a bit bigger. 14 responses. 
Wow, that's fantastic. Twelve Aren't men people did dedicated? the asking. Oh, one mutual and one woman who asked. So there you go. As, right. as, as well, can we just read a few of them? I'm interested hmm? now. You're interested now. Oh, no, Mike Jennings. Yes. Yeah. So let's quickly so, go through go, go through this. So for, so this confused me because we had a message from Debbie and then Debbie also sent a WhatsApp. Absolutely. It's because there's no punctuation in the okay. script. All so right. Debbie mm. said, I'm female and my husband proposed to me. All right. Okay, that's good. Right. So that's my, right. my, Mike Jennings you. said, hello, hope all is well. Just listening to this week's podcast, superb, and wanting to add my vote on the marriage front. I proposed to my beautiful wife, Beth. So that's a male proposing to a female. I was going to do it in public in a nice park, but got too nervous. So we went home and I did it at home and was still so nervous that I fell into an era for <laughs> of washing that was drying. So there you go. How romantic, Mike. Oh, So this one's from Rob. I'm male, and I may have vocalised the question, but never said, will you marry me? I always asked the object of my affections whether they thought that us getting married was a good idea or not. Now, Rob doesn't tell us what his successful rate was either, but it was him that mm-hmm. asked. But it's got to be better than asking a thousand men and only getting three yeses. You know, yeah, I tell you, I'm a failure. I'm a failure at this thing. Thank goodness I found Loic now. <laughs> and then, lastly, so just a quick selection, and then so we just go for four. Helen says, "Not altogether sure how this fits into your binary question. It was a joint decision, but it was my suggestion. So I'm putting you down, actually, as you did the asking. Then, not very romantic, I'm afraid. There you go. So thank you." for the 12 people who responded that proved in this very unscientific survey that doesn't matter how evolved we are in 2022, fundamentally, men still do the asking. And you, Madame Berto, are an exception and more power to you. Yeah, I'm an exception anyway on almost every level where uh, Roy feels. <laughs> so, let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. All right. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said, I know, you've got to cut that out now because Why? because I've just watched the Strictly Semis at my friend's mm. house because she's leaving mm. now and so I'll never be able to watch it again with her this season. And there was one of the dancers talking about their partner and he said, she's so humble. It was a, an Italian dancer. She's so humble. And my friend Tracy and I have decided we've both got to try and be more humble. <laughs> and so I shouldn't have said that, should I? I've just realised I've broken the trying to be more humble <laughs> rule already. <laughs> Damn. I don't, she, doesn't, she won't listen to this, I'm sure, but her husband might. So <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll report it all back to her. So hmm. then we're going to look at, listen to look at yes, Facebook let's, now. Let's uh, go and see what our Facebook posse have been up to and what they've been talking about on Facebook. Hello you two. Before looking at what the Dumpty Dum Facebook group had to say about last week's events in Ambridge, I want to mention what we had to say about last week's episode of Dumpty Dum, and in particular, the discussion of scones. Ruth Pearl created a poll asking which went on first, jam or cream. And with almost 150 votes cast, the answer was clear. 27% of Dumpty Dummers were right, and 63% were wrong with the remaining 10% coming up with sneaky ways of not answering the question. But there were no scones in Ambridge this week. Instead, there were two characters whom the Facebook group discussed in some detail. The world needs more joy, declared Harry Clark. Kate Lyle had a different view. 
I agree that Joy was absolutely fabulous with Ben, just perfect. But what else has she ever done to make people love her? Surely up to now she's just been awful. Elizabeth Llewellyn is in the pro-Joy camp. I think Joy has been delightful right from the first. Yes, she had a bit of a learning curve for the first time living in a farming community, but I found her kind, compassionate and fun. And Paul Newman had some examples of her goodness. She stepped in for Lee as a nude model. She volunteered to help Pat at a festival. She chucked out her hot tub to avoid upsetting the neighbours. She's been a great friend and support all round. Penelope Matheson was less keen. I think a lot of people are quite unrealistic about Joy. I moved from a flat that I loved because of a neighbour like her. She didn't respect boundaries, physical or emotional. I'm an artist and she could not understand that just because I was at home, I was available for chit-chat when I was working. Not awful, Sally and Alan suggested, but needy. Sheila English agreed. Joy hasn't been awful. She may have been over-eager to want to fit in, but she's been very helpful and nice to everyone. But Marie Montgomery had a theory about Joy. I still think it could be a witness protection situation. Meanwhile, Millie Hart was not afraid to express her views on another Ambridge incomer. Sorry, but I really can't stand Leonard. And Penelope Matheson agreed. I don't like him either. But then, I don't like any of them except Brian. Justina Novakovska could also see where Millie was coming from. Usually I love Leonard, but when he bought that cake from Jill, he became a flying monkey, hated it. Jill should have come personally and apologised. Fiona Hayton took a different view. I think he's lovely, but I haven't listened to the last week or so. If he's interfering, though, it comes from a good place, and I'm sure he'd hate to be seen as annoying. Brenda Spencer was all in for Leonard. I adore him. He's sensitive, caring and attentive to others. And Elizabeth Llewellyn was in the same place. How could anyone not like Leonard? He's so kind and has so many talents. David's treatment of Leonard when he turned up on Sunday bearing chocolate cake didn't go down well with Darcy Jorgensen. David was rude. We all know what he said to Leonard was clearly and explicitly meant for Jill. Does that qualify as passive-aggressive? Or is simply David being a cheese weenie? Sally Hall was more relaxed about it. I think I can forgive David in the short term. Realisation is dawning, and he's angry with himself for being blinkered so lashing out. I doubt Leonard knows the full story about Jill's remarks. Maybe just her watered-down version. Fortunately, he's a kind soul and will somewhat understand David's angst. And Sean Brown was very much on David's side. I thought he was remarkably restrained. Jill's horrendous comments to Ben are partly to blame for tipping him into some sort of breakdown. And she thinks that chocolate cake will solve it? Wow. But it was Rob Williams who asked the question most of us were thinking. I know I'm taking the wrong thing away from the original post, but... Cheese weenie? Darcy, I have to know more. Elsewhere, Zoe Picton flagged up a carol concert in London on the 13th of December at which Tamsin Gregg, our very own Debbie Aldridge, will be doing some readings. Carolyn Wright posted a tale from her father's youth, when he and his brothers gathered up wood from around the village and sold it to the villagers, just like Ed and Emma were discussing doing. I created a poll asking what we thought Jazza would say to Tracy's proposal. It's early days yet, but the current situation has 69% of us saying he'll say yes, 
and 27% saying he'll say no. And we all wished Royfield a very happy birthday. And with that, I'll return you to the studio. Thank you, Stephen. That was an awesome roundup of the week's goings on on Facebook. Doesn't matter that it was a little bit long. It was long, but a good one. Very good. And this week, Royfield, we had loads of lovely new members. So we've got to wish a very warm, dumpty dum welcome to Irene Muldoon, Sarah Ferguson, Joe Lloyd, Susie Taylor, Eleanor Sloan, Marty Drupadi. That's a lovely surname. Sally Kelly and Emma Bosswood. So, Royf, how many five star reviews did we have this week? Mille point. Ugh. None. Uh, Zilch. I thought we'd at least had two one. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> alright we'll move no, on swiftly on yeah, but tell you what would... the French nation needs to be a little bit more humble. right it's like they do the Bracco swagger of Le Bleu right is really quite nauseating from this side of, of the channel and you people need to keep uh, it Atlantic down. you're on the other side yeah, of the sure, Atlantic sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how nauseating it is even from my side of the Atlantic I can see the French strutting around <laughs> like 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 I'll like the peacocks what... that they are it's really quite ah, nauseating yes. well I'll tell you what Ugh. Last night, three English people sat in a beautiful bar, local bar with local beer, watching the French around. And it was so civilised. And at the end, so many people came up to us and shook our hands and said, you played so well. Not as if we did. I was sitting there knitting and drinking (laughs) beer. But... (laughs) But but people said how well England played, so you know that's what it all counts. And the French were very they're very polite in Mio de Bretagne. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Because in my fifty four years, and in just about every person's years who listens to this podcast, we've never seen England win at a major tournament where the men are playing. I know the women did well, not taken away from the lionesses, mm. right? But there is generations worth of underachievement shall we say let's say this was very different the result is one thing but the performance is completely utterly another oh god i was in a bar i was in a bar there were hundreds of people i would say it was maybe 60 40 english a lot of french there a lot of english jerseys in in california a lot of french jerseys there is something really quite special watching live sport in a crowd and the ripples of excitement the oohs and the ahs you know when when the decision goes against you and people jump up and they're waving their arms in you know in, in anger that communal sensation of watching sport you can't really replicate that in too many other bits of, of life especially when it's all done in a really friendly manner there, there is no there was no rancor there's no threatening for 90 minutes the french are the worst and the english are, are arrogant and whatever and then afterwards after the result you drown your sorrows for a minute and then offer a frenchman a pint of beer and it's awesome Indeed. But I have to say, this was the first time I've ever seen a sports, any sports match in a, with a group of people in a bar. Really? My, it was my first time. Yeah, never. Once, maybe once I was sitting outside a bar when there was a rugby match that England won. Mm-hmm. But it was the first time I've ever been. It was only because our English friends mm-hmm. and Loic 
wanted to watch a match together. So we decided to go to the local home, you know, brasserie where they make their own beer and everything. So it was all very civilised. And there were about 30 people in the room. And as I say, there were us three originally English, all living in French, France now. So it was a win-win situation for us, really. <laughs> because even Andy, our friend, wore a French jersey. So it was all very, very, it's, it's good for... Good for human nature, as you say. Yeah, there's a whole rivalry, but it, it reassured me that it's good to be human with other people. Just yeah, really yeah. Human? That's the wrong expression. That communal experience is, is utterly yeah. vital, and all the rivalry and the invective is done in somewhat of a pantomime way. And, and, and it's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. So we get to talk about Twitter mm-hmm. now because we've wanged on a bit, haven't we? Let's talk that's, about that's Twitter. That's the word of the week, isn't it? Wang. It is wanging on. So did we? I don't, didn't check to see if we'd reached our our ten thousand, our thousand mark. I'll just have a quick look while you're talking about Twitter. Mm. All right. Now we are on Twitter <laughs> under at Dumpty Dum. We always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A, so that the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers based. Tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along, both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at Dum Dum in your tweet so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. We've got nine thousand one hundred and fifty-eight followers. I don't think we're going to make ten thousand by Christmas. Oh, oh well, yeah. there's always Christmas twenty twenty-three. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep at it. We will. We'll keep on. As well as being at Dum Dum on Twitter, where can you be found, Madame Berto? I am at Jberto Sanguin. All right. Now, if you're doing Twitter, it must be time for Purple Pumpkin and her tweet of the week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of tweets of the week. And for the Mastodon gang, there's also one toot of the week. So I'll start with the toot. It's from Cara Schallenberg at kray at zerk.us. If there's anything worse than making small talk over dinner, it's listening to Ed and Emma and Fallon and, and, and Harrison making small talk over dinner. Gah! Couldn't agree more. Over on Twitter, the juxtaposition of joy and the storyline about the competing choirs was too much temptation for many. There were a lot of riffs on comfort and joy and joy to the world, but no one's yet mentioned joy has dawned upon the world or how great our joy Surely that must come. And so to the Twitter medals. In bronze position, it's Nick at Check Your Sheds. Oh, Emma, I'm not sure a Grundy nicking stuff is quite as original and unique as you might think. In silver, it's Madding Crowd at Further From. Yay! Brad is actually going to succeed, escape Ambridge and become the next Q. A Bond Archers crossover is what we've all been waiting for. And in gold, it's Leonard Odetian at Odetian. I'm so excited by the choir competition now that England are out of the World Cup. Yes, Leonard, you speak to all our pain. That's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Theo. Thank you for everybody and congratulations and well done, everybody who sent in tweets or toots. Now, if we're talking about social media, we can also be found on Instagram. You can follow us on at Dum 
there and you'll be in the capable hands of Katie. She's kind of quite awesome. She is indeed. So thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices, and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. There you go. That's the end of a dum-de-dum. Any final words from you, Madame Berto? I must admit, if I felt, if I've sounded slightly subdued this week, it's because I am. I hate football. I hate everything it does to me as a man, as a human being. It builds me up only to rip me down and to fundamentally to disappoint. I'm not going to watch another game of football to the day I die. World Cup. <laughs> cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.